How's it going, everybody? This is the Nitty Gritty. Hopefully you had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. And uh, if you are living in a neighborhood like mine, then people are getting ready for Christmas even before Thanksgiving. So Christmas is around the corner. My name is Chad. I was say it's Leonard. like that everywhere anymore. That's right. Uh, Leonard, are you ready for Christmas? Uh, we are getting there. I've done uh, <laughs> some of my shopping. Actually, as we record this, my wife is in the bedroom doing some wrapping, which I cannot see. So she's taking this opportunity of me doing the show to uh, to do some wrapping. I understand. That's uh, that's a good idea. Well, this week we are not going to be celebrating any holiday because we are going to be doing a superstar a superstar spotlight, not a superstar holiday, um, a superstar spotlight. And it will be. We, we should figure that out. How to do a a, a superstar holiday spotlight, holiday spotlight of some sort. Yeah, we will. Uh, we'll create one. How about that? Some sort. Some sort of wrestling holiday. There should be one, right? Or is WrestleMania right. considered? The yeah, WrestleMania week. I think is usually considered like they call it the Super Bowl of wrestling, but it could be the Christmas of wrestling as well, considering there are so many <laughs> other events that go on that weekend. Right. And we are going to be covering the Highlanders today. Uh, we, if you have checked into any of our spotlights before, we tend to cover some of the names that don't get covered on the major podcasts. Uh, in the past, we've covered PN News and uh, many other random names. So you can go check out any of those shows. Um, tonight, we are going to be covering the Highlanders. So, and I believe this is the first tag team that we've ever covered on the spotlight. That that is true. That is true. Um, so let's get started with some of the background information before we talk about their run in WWE. So they are a Scottish tag team, and they in storyline are cousins, but their name, their character names are Robbie McAllister and Rory McAllister. Their real names are Derek Graham Couch and Russell Murray. And they are billed anyway. Uh, Rory is billed at six foot. Robbie is billed at six foot three. They uh, announced themselves, they're announced as weighing 34 stone, which I thought was fun. Um, so they were both born and raised in Scotland. And that is where the team is built from, Oban, Scotland, to be exact. And they started in the independent circuit in 2001 and they were around various promotions they were on the indie scene in ontario they were known as the texas hell raisers uh which lasted for a couple years they worked some dark matches for wwe in 2003 and were on even sunday night heat losing to tajiri and rhino in 2004 uh, but eventually, they were signed to WWE as a part of the develop, uh, developmental deal with their farm territory at the time, which is Ohio Valley Wrestling. That occurred in July of 2005, and they wrestled there for several months. And then in June of 2006, we would start to see vignettes airing on Raw, featuring the Highlanders, exploring the big city, and would basically just be comparing their homeland to the city and they were kind of fish out of water characters so 
Leonard, did you see these vignettes live or did you not hear about the Highlanders until much later in their run? I was watching the project at the time and I remembered the Highlanders, but I never thought much of them. You know, WWE had a lot of cannon fodder tag teams around this time. If anything, I thought it was, hey, let's see if we can get a Scotsman gimmick like Roddy Piper over again. And I was actually surprised to find while doing this research that they were born in Scotland. I figured they were just two Americans that they had doing uh, a Scottish gimmick. Uh, but I do remember the, the vignettes. I do remember their entry. And I know we're going to talk about some matches of theirs, but I would say that their trajectory throughout their career in WWF was what WWE has done uh, a lot over the years. And I'll leave it at that and then I'll get more into it as we discuss their career. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned doing research and you know, it's might be very easy to initially anyway, point the finger totally at WWE. But one of the things that I came across in researching this is that this tag team of the Highlanders the Scottish gimmick was their idea uh, because that is where they're from. So we'll get more into that as we talk more about the tag team um, and the gimmick itself. But uh, let's talk about their debut here. They debuted July 3rd of 2006 with a victory over Matt Stryker and Rob Conway. Um, I'm going to take a page out of Conrad Thompson's playbook. Uh, Leonard, what's your favorite Matt Stryker and Rob Conway tag team match? That'll be this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah okay <laughs> all right so i promise it's the last time i'm gonna steal um so they would then kind of be pushed quickly into a feud with the spirit squad over the tag team titles they had a match against um the spirit squad members kenny and mikey and they would lose that after interference by other members and that would kind of continue for a while, they would be in a triple threat tag team match with um, Charlie Haas and Viscera and Lance Cade and Trevor Murdoch, which would make them number one contenders to the Spirit Squad's title on the September 4th edition of Raw. They didn't win it there. Um, and when they did have a match against them also at Unforgiven. And again, interference would cause them to lose. So let's um, take a pause there so i'm just going to say this now and i'll probably reiterate it in many words but i had heard i forget which podcast it was i was listening to but it was specifically about this era of wwe and how it was like 99 percent the john cena show and what i mean by that is the undercard meant nothing it was just there uh, this has been referenced. I think it was the Jeff Jarrett podcast, actually, because they were comparing it to a different era in wrestling um, under similar circumstances where like it was just about the top guy and the undercard just kind of existed like it really meant nothing. And you had mentioned like earlier, Leonard, about some of the tag teams in this era, like the tag team division in this era was really, really piss poor. It just like none of these matches meant anything like we're going to talk about some of their matches, but they none of them were anything to write home about. And that's not to say these guys aren't good workers like they were fine workers, but it's just these matches. None of the none of these matches had any tension um, or even if they were for the titles, the titles really had no weight. It certainly wasn't um, 
on the level of the Hart Foundation, British Bulldog st- style, right. you know, status here. So, uh, what do you what do you think, uh, Leonard, about this initial push of theirs? Well, you know, I think WD, WWE has done this a lot over the years. They debut a team or a singles wrestler, and when we did Big Bully Music, who was our first uh, spotlight ever, he had a very similar trajectory. You give them wins over jobbers over the course of several weeks, and you kind of poise them to be in a title picture, and then you job them out to the champ, and you let them pr- float around a little bit until the dead horse has rode another 20 miles. Uh, <laughs> the Highlanders, in some ways, remind me of heavy machinery to compare them to uh, a, a recent tag team, because you have kind of a dumb, fun one and the slightly smarter leader, and they had a similar trajectory, but got to step two, which is you split them up with one going heel and one going face, and the Highlanders never got there. Uh, as we would finish, as we finished talking about them, would they have got there if they had lasted longer? Yeah, they probably would have. They would have split some point with, I'm guessing, Robbie being the one who would have gotten the push because he was the bigger guy of the two. And like you said about the other tag teams, hey, when the Spirit Squad or your Raw tag team champions during this period, you've got nothing going on. So I think the Highlanders are no better or no worse than any other team around this time. And as we talk about their matches, and you said none of their matches were great, but I think they were good workers, and I think they deserved better. Of any team during this period, if you were going to try to build a division or make it mean something, having the Highlanders at least in your title picture, I think, would have been sound at this period. Well, yeah, I mean, who knows it? You know, might have been neither here nor there, even if they got that far, um, as because, as we said, this division was what it was. But no. let's uh, move on here uh, a little bit. So they would then have a Texas Tornado match at the Cyber Sunday event and then a tag team turmoil match they would be featured in at New Year's Revolution for a future tag title shot. Um, they would not be victorious in either of those we'll go into specifics when we go over some of the matches in detail here um they would have a brief feud with lance cade and trevor murdoch um both teams exchanging wins on heat and to me this is like the downfall they had this quick push this is the new tag team we're going to feature them against the champions they're not going to get a win but not only did they not win the championships, but very quickly they become staples of Sunday night heat. Mm-hmm. And that is to me, like not a good sign. So they uh, would also, uh, they would defeat though, Cade and Murdoch in a Roddy Piper tribute match for whatever that's worth. Um, in late 2006, they would mostly be on heat, as I said, and throughout 2007, they would job to other, other teams or singles wrestlers like uh, Snitsky. Uh, September 24th, 2007 episode of Raw, they interrupted a match between Paul London and Brian Kendrick and Lance Cade and Trevor Murdoch. And due to the Highlanders getting tired of being held back from the world tag team title picture. So that would turn them heel at that time. Uh, Nothing really came of this, however, and they would then have some matches with London and Kendrick and the uh, immortal well-known household name of a tag team jim duggan and super crazy which i have to admit did not realize that they were actually a tag team until researching for this episode so 
yeah. I mean, then they would they would also lose a Royal Rumble qualifying match to the team of Mick Foley and Hornswoggle. So at this point, I think even the guys themselves were starting to not be pleased and see the writing on the wall. And we'll get more to how that kind of, you know, comes to fruition or come bubbles to the surface um, as we get towards the end of their run. But uh, yeah, I mean, Leonard, I feel like we could probably start talking about some of their matches at, at yeah. this point um, because I, I went through a bunch of them there. Uh, I, I did check out some of their work with Lance Cade and Trevor Murdoch and Super Crazy and Jim Duggan, and their their pay-per-view matches are there for whoever wants to see them. Uh, the tag team turmoil match, by the way, from New Year's Resolution, New, New Year's Revolution, excuse me, uh, they would lose right away to the reunited world's greatest tag team. Um, so they weren't in it very long. Um, but as I said, as we, you know, you could really chalk up every one of these matches the same way the matches aren't good their work is fine the matches are just there for me i I have no real emotion to any of these matches um but maybe you feel differently leonard well i didn't watch any of the major matches because i'm not going to dig through the wwe network on peacock to find them because they're so impossible to find (laughs) so i did i did watch some stuff on youtube and you know i watched two jobber squashes from heat one was against jason styles and ryan van cool and the other was against john williams and the navajo warrior i'm a huge ryan van cool fan oh i knew you i knew you would be you got the rvk shirts (laughs) um and here's the thing about about those because they're under five minutes but the highlanders are in the driver's seat the whole time they're squashes but they're energetic um the highlanders did some great double team moves i thought they had great chemistry they had good consistency in their tagging i like how they slap each other to tag i think that's something unique to them and kind of of leans to the fact that they're power wrestlers slash brawlers um the styles von cool match ended with rory doing an aided body splash with help from robbie which he got way more air on that than i would have thought it looked really great and the finish of the other match, Navajo Warrior and Williams, uh, was a slingshot inverted suplex, which I don't think I've ever seen anyone do before. And I would certainly encourage a tag team to steal. Um, I like that their moveset was varied. Both of those jobber squashes were different in what they what they did. They, the style was similar, but the moves were different. I did their watch the Duggan move was pretty good too. What their finishing move was pretty good too. Yes, yes. I like I like the finishers that they used. Um, I did watch the Doug and Super Crazy match. I also watched an eight-man tag that you can find on YouTube uh, with them with Crime Time uh, against Cade Murdoch and the World's Greatest Tag Team. It was short. Everyone was in for like 30 seconds. Not a lot to report there. So my summary would be this. I think they're mostly brawlers, but they have good ring awareness. They sell well. They seem to work well with most other people. They work well with each other. Uh, They're competent. They're, They're kind of tough because they're not actively, but they're competent and they're kind of tough. But because they're not actively bad enough to be infamous and they're not great to be memorable in a good way, they're just kind they're just kind of there. As you kind of said, during this era, all these tag teams are just kind of there. Um, I would say they're a bit weak on the stick, but they work their characters well in promos. 
Robbie had a bit of a catchphrase and screaming, I'm Robbie, after Rory would introduce him or when he would first get tagged into a match. I always kind of found that funny. That always kind of made me chuckle. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're of the same mind that the Highlanders themselves are good. They just weren't used well while with WWE. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And we'll get to some of our some more thoughts here. Let's cover the end of their run. Um, they would appear only one time on ECW, the show, ECW show. Uh, but Rory tore his pectoral muscle and was sidelined for six months uh, in February of 2008. They would lose to the then WWE Tag Team Champions of John Morrison and The Miz. And Robbie would start wrestling on Raw again during this time, mostly on Heat. And he would have a brief tag team with Charlie Haas. He would then, he made some appearances on Raw, you know, uh, kind of taking on John Cena and Randy Orton. Uh, Robbie was uh, Robbie would be pinned by by John Cena at, at in in one of these Raws. Their last televised match was August 11th, 2008. They were defeated by Crime Time, and they were released from WWE on August 15th of 2008. So let's talk about why that is. So they would get into well actually not they one of them would get into yeah. a little bit of hot water uh on a march 27th episode march 27 2008 episode of tna impact robbie was in attendance at the impact zone and was shown on camera under his real name to prevent the lawsuit and they he got caught doing this they featured him mm -hmm. on camera and that was pretty much the end now what uh, what Derek Graham Couch would eventually say was that at this time he was very unhappy with WWE and he said maybe subconsciously this was his way uh, to get fired. Um, Bruce Pritchard has commented on this on in his podcast and basically just said, you know, why would somebody put themselves in this position? And I think we know why, because he didn't yeah. want to be there anymore. <laughs> so and I, you can't blame him really i mean for not wanting to be there anymore i mean if this is your dream to be a pro wrestler you don't want to spend your time losing to people on heat you know so i mean if you see it's not going anywhere then you know people act in certain ways they either quit or they find a way to get fired and that's what happened here uh so bruce pritchard also commented you know on a couple different uh, they cover events on the, that podcast and he would eventually they every now and then they would hit on the Highlanders um, and Bruce Pritchard's thoughts were that the team focused on the gimmick more than on the work in the ring and that they kind of needed to have that happy medium and they didn't and that they were kind of confused at it as to how to get over fully but that they were both really really nice guys um, but as I said uh, earlier, this was their gimmick, their persona, and how they lived their lives. Um, Conrad Thompson said maybe they were a victim of typecasting to a certain extent. Um, and so here's what I'll say about that. Like, yes, this was their gimmick and their persona. So you can't really just say, oh, WWE saddled them with this. And so obviously that's not what happened. However there is a history of these type of gimmicks. Like look at the Bushwhackers, for example. 
like they were the Highlanders were not the first, nor were they the last of the foreigner bearded guy gimmick tag teams. <laughs> like there's been so many of them over the years, and there were many after the Highlanders. And the here's my problem with this: like WWE doesn't seem to change its its routine or what it's looking for. Like there's still, they always look for these same sort of broad characters and like, you know, you have the fish out of water tag team from a different country. And obviously we had seen that already with the Bushwhackers and, you know, maybe not fish out of water, but certainly you had the wild Samoans and, you know, like, so this type of idea was something that had been around before. So when the Highlanders came in during a time when the tag division was not very exciting, they were in front of audiences who saw this gimmick that they had seen before. They didn't really bring anything new to the table. So if they wanted, if they were really passionate about this gimmick, they being the Highlanders, they should have brought something new to the table, but instead it just seemed like they were falling back on what had been seen in wrestling many decades before. Leonard, uh, what do you think? Before we came on the air, you asked me about bearded tag teams. And I thought it too. <laughs> The Powers of Pain. Yeah. And uh, probably the ones who had beards closest to the Highlanders be the Moondogs. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. so them. But again, the Moondogs, I think, are one of those tag teams that you could say compared to the Highlanders. And you're absolutely right. The WWE has a formula they like to plug people into, a type of character they like to plug people into. And I definitely think if you want to compare the Highlanders and other tag teams, the Bushwhackers make a great comparison. You know, they're foreign. Uh, they turn them into fun-loving baby faces. And I do say I like the Highlanders better uh, as faces than heels. Some of the heel stuff yeah. I watched, I didn't think they were as effective, maybe because they weren't as engaged. They didn't like doing it as well. Right. So, right. yeah, I would definitely say that if you want to put the blame somewhere, I would put more in WWE, and I don't necessarily agree with Bruce Pritchard. And, you know, again, Bruce Pritchard is way above me on his wrestling knowledge. Uh, but I think if if it was, oh, well, they were spending too much time with the gimmick, it was because that's where what they were geared to do or positioned to do or pushed to do, I think. Right. And, and what we saw when they just got in the ring and they worked, they were fine. They were really good. They were crisp. Good pacing, good tag chemistry, good move set, good tag moves. They were fine. So I don't know if I would necessarily, because here's the thing too, is it happens all the time. I've heard Bruce Pritchard say this. Well, they didn't get over. Right. But then it seems like when someone gets themselves over, they stomp that dude out. Yeah. You know, Zach Ryder, like, for instance. If this was oh, their he didn't get himself over. He goes off, he does his own thing, he gets super over, and it pisses them off. Yeah. I mean, it's, and like, hey, even if this was their gimmick and their idea, the WWE hired them. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, it's not like, you know, if they didn't want that gimmick, then they could have said, hey, guys, you do great work in the ring. We're going to rename you. But they didn't. <laughs> they kept that. And, like, I just, if you look at the guys that make the their heritage part of their gimmick but not the entire gimmick seem to do better like look up, up when when the heritage starts to become the primary selling point 
I think that that's when the character starts to, you know, decrease in popularity a little bit. Case in point, right now, Drew McIntyre. Mm-hmm. Drew McIntyre, we knew his heritage, but it wasn't pushed down our throats every time he came to the ring when he beat Brock Lesnar and won the Rumble and all that stuff. But now he comes to the ring, he wears the kilt, he has the sword, he does the whole thing. Like they've had feuds over the sword. Like, like it's just, you know, he was good when he wasn't reminding us of that every five seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just my, that's just my opinion. Like it's, you know, that not every character needs to be broad all the time. Like you, you can have shades of gray nuances and, you know, but it seems like, you know, they fall back on this kind of thing. And you also have right now, I don't know how foreign they are necessarily, but you have the Viking Raiders, um, which are two big bearded guys. <laughs> right. Who, who, whether they're Viking, have Viking heritage or not, are playing very much into that Viking nest. The only one I would, I would, I would say didn't fall into that would be Seamus, who was always pushed as being incredibly Irish with yeah, the yeah. pale skin, with the red hair. And, you know, his career has had many ups and downs, many of the yeah. ups and downs, but has, but has endured. Um, yeah, and there again, know, I think there are times when his, his heritage be, has become, you know, more, more featured. Mm-hmm. But, like, the times that it isn't is generally the times when he's has a title or, you know, is in a big spot. Like, you know. Yeah, doing other things. And that's this is nothing new for WWE. If you go all the way back, I mean, Bruno San Martino was Italian. Pedro Morales was uh, Puerto Rican. Um, Ivan Putsky was Polish. Yeah, all those guys were centered around their heritage. You know, the story goes that Hulk Hogan they wanted to bring him in as as Irish, as Hogan was an Irish name, and they wanted him to dye his hair red, and he didn't want to do it. And, and I think the excuse was he did it, and it fell out. And they said, okay, don't come in then or something like that. <laughs> I, again, any Hulk Hogan story, you got to take with a grain of salt. But that has always been kind of WWE's thing. That now that we talk about this, the more and more I think of so many people who have had their heritage be part of their gimmick, even if it's like where they're from. Like how often is it mentioned that John Cena is from Massachusetts? How often is it mentioned that Kurt Angle's from Pittsburgh? You know, even if it's not their heritage, it's their city, you know, it's the right. region that they're from. So I just think that's something that WWE just falls back on. And sometimes it's more pronounced than others, especially when you have something very distinct that they can play with, like a Scottish heritage or an Irish heritage. Right. And, you know, I, I think also with the fish out of water approach, you know, that's, you know, a story as old as time, the fish out of water tale. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we will always see movies and shows that feature that sort of uh, framework. But if you're going to do it in wrestling, you got to have a trajectory. Like, you can't fall back on that forever. And I think that was part of the big downfall for them. Like, they, uh, you know, at some point, the work in the ring is going to be secondary to, okay, where are these characters going? Well, they're yelling scottish guys who do a lot of headbutts in the ring by the way one match i watched like i swear it was like 75 percent headbutts <laughs> like <laughs> which i just i forgot to comment on it earlier we're talking about matches but well. um 
but yeah, I, I, you know, so as much as I like these guys when it comes to in-ring work and I have never met them, but by all accounts, they seem like really nice guys. Um, it just seems like they were wrong gimmick, wrong time to me. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, that wasn't the complete end for them. Um, after they were released, they did go to the independent circuit, uh, September of 2008, Rory and Robbie returned, uh, to that scene and appeared mostly in singles matches in us and canada and europe and they in april 2010 they became the cwi tag team champions in ontario canada and uh, and on and on they would continue on the indie circuit they reunited in 2013 at war x 10th anniversary show in lima ohio and uh i think leonard this is a good time to hand it off to your story what do you think i was there I was, I, I, was, I was there at War X and Live in Ohio with a good friend of the show, Dan Weber. Uh, we went up because we knew a lot of indie guys that were going to be there wrestling. Um, and I think I've told the story in the past, but we're going to tell it again. So Dan and I, we always usually sat by the curtain because that's where Dan likes to sit to see the guys when they come out. And we're by the curtain and they did their Hall of Fame induction intermission show. And then during the intermission of after the Hall of Fame induction, these two guys walk by us. And then I just look at each other and we go, is that the Highlanders? I go, yeah, I think, I think that was the Highlanders. So we go over. It was them. They were signing autographs, taking pictures, all this. I don't even remember if they wrestled on the card. I think they did. Uh, but later we go to the after party they had. It's at um, a country club and like the restaurant of a country club. And we're sitting at this high top table, Dan and I. And we're talking with one of the wrestlers we know, Dusty Dillinger. Shout out to Dusty, who eventually did get into War's uh, Hall of Fame a few years after this. And Robbie comes up to us and just starts eating nachos off of Dan's plate. Just comes up and doesn't say a word, just starts eating nachos. And then he yells at Dan because we don't have any guacamole. So thank God Dusty was there. Dusty tells him to go sit down and leave us alone. Because I, it might have got ugly if he wasn't there with us talking. <laughs> and I will say, allegedly, allegedly, I smell the smell that would put the high in Highlanders. And I continue to smell that smell even after Robbie went to the complete other side of the room about 30 feet away from us. <laughs> so that was my run-in with, with the Highlanders. But, and I did run into Rory another time. I forgot this. I can't remember what show this was, but we were somewhere else. It was just Rory was there and we went to the after party and Rory was so drunk. He was hugging everybody and I got hugged by Rory. So it wasn't you that time who put the high in Highlanders, right, Leonard? No, it was not. It was not me. It was, it, it was, it was Robbie. <laughs> allegedly, allegedly. I don't want him to come after me. He's a big dude. That's a fun story. Um, Leonard has a lot of good stories like that um but uh one you know one in wrapping this up one thing i forgot to mention uh, when they were released that was um um you know what actually as i'm looking at this factoid it uh i don't know if this really lines up but maybe it does um yeah so this event uh, the event that led to them getting released where derek graham mm -hmm. couch appeared on tna Yes. And I remember that at the time. I, I didn't uh, say that, but actually I was watching TNA regularly at the time. I remember him coming up. They showed him, they showed the name, 
And I was like, who is that? Because I didn't recognize him because he wasn't in his gear, you know? So I didn't necessarily recognize him. And then I later found out about all of it. And right. my thoughts on that always was, well, that was kind of a mean thing to do. I mean, the guy can't go to another wrestling show. He can't just sit in the audience. Because I believe the story at the time was that they that TNA did that on purpose. They didn't talk to him. They didn't let him know that. They just showed him and flashed his name. And again, I don't know if that was something that he was aware of or planned from what you said earlier. But at the time, it was put forth that he had no control over that and that the WWE was overreacting for something that he didn't. Yeah, I mean, if, if you look at the clip itself, it, he clearly was not ready for that that mm -hmm. cameo appearance. And uh, he was apparently there with his kids. And uh, the sad part about this, other than the fact that they both got released eventually, was that that appearance occurred really, really shortly before WrestleMania. <laughs> so he missed out on a WrestleMania paycheck as a result of mm -hmm. uh, appearing on TNA, which I'm sure sucks. But, he would have jobbed in a battle royal anyway. Right. Uh, but... Yeah, again, it was it was cool to look up the Highlanders again. This is a team that, you know, was around during a period I wasn't really watching a ton of wrestling at this time because I had moved out of my parents' house and was, uh, you know, kind of developing a life with my now wife and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, I was tuning into the product here and there and I was aware of them, but I wasn't really paying attention um, because I was not really a huge John Cena fan. So, um, but yeah, it was cool to go and watch their work. I wish that they could have been around at a different time when maybe that gimmick would have been better. Um, if you put that gimmick in the eighties, I think it would have been interesting, you know, sure. maybe have them as heels and have them feud with the Bushwhackers. That would have been fun. Um, right. They could have been buddies with heel Roddy Piper. Right. Yo, how about a faction with, with the Scottish Piper? faction? They could have been Roddy's cousins. You know, they're all, they're all cousins from Scotland. We're going to think about a name for Roddy Piper's uh, faction that never happened. The Pied Pipers, I think. The Pied, the Pied Pipers. <laughs> yeah. oh, come on, we could do better than that. Um, yeah, that's a good one. But you know what? Mm. On that note, Leonard, if you do not have any final thoughts on the Highlanders, we will uh, wrap this one up. Yeah, no, I, I think we've talked about them uh, and we want to give them all due respect. And I think our final verdict would be um, that, uh, as you said earlier, they were kind of maybe the wrong team at the wrong time, uh, where they could have done more and better at, at a different point. And just, if you just watched their matches in a bubble, I think they were very skilled in the ring and I enjoyed the matches that I watched. Yep. And, uh, it's worth noting that, uh, among their accomplishments, a lot of indie titles, but, uh, they were also, uh, Robbie was ranked 100, 168 out of 500 in the best singles wrestlers, uh, the PWI 500 in 2006, and Rory was 176 in that same list in 2006. All right, good for them. Absolutely, and uh, we hope that if they see this, they are doing well, and uh, hopefully they don't steal my nachos someday. So mm -hmm. there's that. And, uh, you know, hey, if uh, they invited me to put the high in Highlander, I would probably consider doing it if they invited me themselves to say that I got high with the Highlanders, like I, <laughs> like, Hey, you know, there's a couple of things I could say, you know, eh, fuck it. I'll do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it depends on who you're doing it with. And right. <laughs> in that case. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, please check us out on Apple podcasts and Spotify. 
like this video, subscribe to our channel, comment on what you think about the Highlanders, uh, any matches that you think we should have mentioned in detail, please let us know. Uh, for Leonard, my name is Chad. We will see you next week, and Alexa will see you out.